You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. John Saxon and Robert Forster. I mean, your face is Robert Forster. I totally misspelled his name. I thought it was Forrester. No, it's Forster. It's Forster. Rochester's own Forster. For- is he from Rochester? Yes, Oh, he you is. said that last yes, week. Yes, he is. Him and Tay, Tay Diggs. Diggs. And who's the other person? Lou Graham. Luke, who's that? I don't know, dude. Lou Graham. Wherever you go. Oh, is that really Lou? Whatever you no. do, <laughs> That's fucking... I will be right here with That's not Lou Graham. You. Who is that, then? That's Lou, Lou Grant. Lou Grant? No. <laughs> is it Hugh Grant? <laughs> I'm going to Google this. No, Hugh Grant is, hello, how much? <laughs> <laughs> bullocks, bullocks. Oh, wow. He's never going to live that down, is he? No. Poor guy. Good for him, man. Lou Graham. Is that Midnight Graham from uh, Field of Dreams? Yeah, it is. Oh, is he a golfer? Shoeless Joe Jackson. He's a singer. No, yeah. Lou Graham's a singer. Yeah. Yeah. What did he do? Let's see. Sorry, this doesn't have to be part of the show. We can go. We are, well, we're recording right now. Well, I know, but that doesn't mean it has to be a part of the show. Midnight Blue, Just Between You and Me, Lost in the Shadows, more songs. Say hello to the night. That's what that song is. It's from the Lost Boys. Lost in the Shadows. shadows. I do remember the up 1986. Say hello to the night. Ready or not. Lost Boys. Until I Make You Mine. Who did that song then? Angel with a Dirty right Face. Right Here Waiting. Who did Right Here Waiting? That's fucking, uh, fucking um, what is that guy's name? Right Here Waiting for You. What? I used to love that song. However, Richard Marks. Richard Marks. Wow. Man. <laughs> I should have mailed it to the Richard Marks brothers. <laughs> uh, what did you do this weekend, man? Um, I, I Other than are we pretending it being like, your birthday. I did. It's my birthday. Yeah. I brought you some junk. I see, it's not junk at all. I brought you it some is, junk. I it's, will This isn't your shit. birthday presents. Oh, okay. But it's just some junk that I had, and I was like, Joel, Joel will like this, and if not, I'll <laughs> I, let it be his responsibility. I'm, I'm officially, yeah, you're- uh, You're the caretaker. I'm, I'm the goodwill. I'm Joe, Joe's personal goodwill. That's right. Yeah. I'm just going to pay this forward. Which no, birthday, this looks fantastic. Which birthday is this? Um, it's 30. Well, you know, right? Because you're- You're 38. Right right with me. You're right there waiting for me. I'll be right you're here. My, you're my Richard Marks. Yes, so. I should have mailed it to the <laughs> Richard Marks brothers. <laughs> You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, I, I can no longer say I am mid-30s. I'm officially yeah. late 30s yeah. now. Can't yeah. get away well, with that shit. two years ago is when you could have said that. Uh, no, but 37 is still in that range. Nope. Don't fucking shake nope. your head, you 20-something over there. <laughs> I'm 30. He's, yeah, he's dirty 30. Yeah. yeah. 30s in the new 20s. No, man, it's gone good so far. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel any older. You're only as uh, young as you feel. Or vice versa. That's nice. I like that you have that the glasses half full mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see anything good? Any good movies? What did I see? You'd we like saw to go see movies. Saw Star Wars for the fourth time last yeah? night. Nice. That'll probably do it until it comes out on video. Maybe is is it losing its luster for you? No, absolutely not. It nope. is still as fun as ever. Yeah. Holy Somebody shit, had asked me. They were like, up. after three times, did it lose its luster? Like, did you sit there and kind of go, eh, well, that whole like attack on the Star Killer base was a little weak and. Well, no. no, I kind of liked it all. It's I thought o- it was really. It's great. only outside of that two and a half hours when you're when you're when you want to dissect the plot and the yeah. story, and it's like eh, it's a little weak. But I mean, the characters are so fun. Yeah, it's just like you just want to want to spend time with them. You want to be with them. Yeah, especially, especially Ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go your old 
hero, <laughs> yeah, and I go the young uh, who you want to fuck the new fresh. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. I, I, well, get I do. Older, ha- I do have a gift for you for, you for your birthday. I do have a, a gift for you. Yeah, and, uh, he's gonna... standing up. He's unzipping his pants. Oh my god! I'm gonna let you see my dick. No, wh- uh, wh- you want that? Well, that was my birthday present last year, Joe, oh, and yeah. the year before that. You've already seen it. And, and the, the year, year before, before that. that. Thousands of years ago, <laughs> and that is how babies are made. <laughs> this is the editing bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. My name's Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're bad movies. Sometimes they're actually pretty good. No yeah. matter what the case, though, uh, we'll watch them and then come back here to this forum and talk to uh, each other about the movie, dissect it, and uh, talk about it with you, our lovely editing bay listeners. Um, now that we're not having to pay homage to someone who's bad, Abe Vigoda, by I the way. I was going to say, somebody asked, are you going to do an Abe Vigoda episode? I'm like, like mm-hmm. what would you do? Would you do... Godfather? We've already done Look Who's Talking. Yeah. yeah. I want my candy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we could do that again. Dude, it's so funny because they're like, remembering Abe Vigoda. And like they show footage from The Godfather. And I'm like, motherfucker was 60 then. I know. Like, Jesus. <laughs> That's one of those deaths where I was like, oh, is Abe Vigoda still alive? Like, I thought he was already. <laughs> His is gone. one of those deaths where you go, oh, good for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way, to, way, to, way to stretch that run. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> the, the fucking roaches that were pulling the strings like puppet masters. <laughs> Inside of well, like body. you said, look who's talking when he was playing like uh, an Alzheimer's patient. Uh, came out in like early '90s, right? Yeah. So he lived Late, beyond I think that. It was '89 is when it came yeah, out. Yeah, you might be right. Yes, he made it another 15. Good. When God. we already thought he was dead. Uh, so yeah, Abe Vigoda, uh, good on you. You had, a, you had a great run. <laughs> uh, fuck you for turning on the Corleones. Uh, uh, but. You know, we got to move on. That's right. So, uh, Quentin Tarantino had a little movie that came out just this past year. Little, little tiny, minuscule. Uh, called The Hateful Eight. That's right. And you guys have both seen it. I still haven't seen this flick. Uh, but I, that was why you decided you want to do a Tarantino film. Yeah, I, well, it was. It made more sense when it was closer to the release date before everybody <laughs> started dropping like flies. Uh, but yeah. uh, I still figured, you mentioned last week we had not... Uh, done a Tarantino movie as of yet. No. Um, which most of them are pretty good. So it's like, we, we've been doing a lot of good movies lately, Joe, uh-huh. or at least uh, movies that we enjoy. Oh, yeah. Well, especially coming off of Galaxy Quest. Right. Like, wow, that movie's really fucking fun. And, and then what do we do uh, for. We uh, talked about uh, The Prestige, Prestige we for both David Bowie. Love. Really good movie. And it was all Star Wars before that, wasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it was like eight weeks of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, no, we wanted to go ahead. Well, we did have Point Break in there at some point. <laughs> oh, yes. Forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> but even that, like, I think we both kind of find endearing yeah, in its own way. It's I mean, charming. I mean, to go back to what we said before, like, I didn't watch it again. <laughs> I just remembered the movie. True, true. But you and Jeff seem to re- uh, enjoy revisiting it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, we decided to talk about Tarantino, and you threw out, you're like, okay, we're going to talk about Jackie Brown, right? which is clearly the <laughs> worst of Tarantino's uh, <laughs> films. And boy, and did I, I hear it I from friends. I didn't know if I actually agreed with you or not on this, mm. because when I saw this movie in the in the theater, I was like, this one stood as like my favorite Tarantino film for a little while. Of the three that he had done the, at that point? Of the three that he had done at that really? point, that he had directed at that point. Right, right, Reservoir right. Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then this. Yeah. Uh, because it was a, one cohesive story, whereas Pulp Fiction was like a bunch of vignettes just kind of cut up sure. and put together to make a film. Reservoir Dogs is one of those movies I feel like is a little overrated as we get wow, further really? and further away from it. Not that I don't like it. I do like Reservoir Dogs, but I feel like it's obviously a first-time film. Well, sure. In 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 what it, sense? It makes a better play than it does a movie. It, it it feels like a Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah. And yes, you're confined to, for the most part into this warehouse. We have uh-huh. some flashbacks, but ninety percent of the film takes place in that warehouse. There's so much that's done, and you could tell. And and this is a problem that I think Tarantino had a lot more in the beginning of his career, mm-hmm. and you still see traces of it. 
but he's grown as a filmmaker. But like Reservoir Dogs has so many things that are just kind of put in there for style. Oh yeah, and they don't have a whole lot of substance. But uh, isn't that kind of Tarantino? I mean, like well, there are shades of Tarantino. The, like I said, we see that a little bit still in his movies, mm-hmm. but not as much as you saw, like in Reservoir Dogs. And you should see Hateful Eight before you uh, make that oh, proclamation. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh oh, yeah, because uh, Hateful Eight feels a little like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, just to a lesser extent, uh, in the sense that <laughs> it's it's limited storytelling. Right, everything takes place so, in in stop one location. Stop pointing that gun at my dad. There's a little bit of that. You have these characters that you you. <laughs> Slowly find out about. Um, Shit, I think you're trying to fuck me, Dad. He was trying to fuck me. <laughs> I think you're just trying I'm to like, fuck me. I'm, Man, I'm, I'm he was quoting my favorite. all the Chris Penn lines. He's he's the not the highlight, but uh, I. Man, taken too soon. I know he didn't die this year, but uh, no, he was taken too soon though. He, when you think about Chris Penn, a lot of people are like uh, who? Yeah, why are and we you stuck realize, with Sean? You don't realize you've seen Chris Penn in so much stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about like you know your average film goer. They hear Chris Penn and they might like think of one movie. But he's been all over the place. You know, a lot of people forget he was the cowboy best friend in the first Footloose, the original Footloose what? movie. He was the cowboy best friend. Oh, I had no idea. The one that Miles Teller ends up playing in the uh, in the remake. Um, I forgot they did that remake. Yeah, they did. And Miles Teller was the best part of that movie. Mm. He's the best part of everything he's in. Uh, Fantastic Four? Is there something better than Miles Teller in Fantastic Four? <laughs> You're just saying he didn't. I just don't know if anything in Fantastic Four <laughs> deserves to be called the best part. I almost picked that up at Redbox the other day just because I wanted to see. I know you guys <sighs> railed on it, and, and nobody says anything Look, kind, but I have to know. Here's the funny thing is that both Jeff and I mm-hmm. still felt that it was better than Tomorrowland. Oh, <laughs> see, I like Tomorrowland, so maybe I'll like Fantastic Four. What did, you know what? I need to break this down real oh, fast shit. before we get into Jackie Brown. You know, we have I a hard what, out today, Jeff. What do you like about Tomorrowland? I like, don't. What did you like about it? I think it's great. Act, I think the action scenes are well-directed. Brad but, Bird knows how to direct But they didn't them. make sense. Like, where did those killer robots go? Like, they're being chased by killer robots, and then suddenly that they just They just stops. kind of disappear. I know. I feel like there's some... some uh, I feel like if... They would have had the chance. To look at Jeff is like accusingly leaning forward. Well, he wa- inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> yes, I desperately want to know what you liked about. This All right. Movie. Well, what do you what do you go to see a movie for? So like, I like no, the no, concept. No, no, we've asked you questions. I like, no, no, no. But I'm I am I don't <laughs> need a dissertation. Just tell us what you liked about the movie. I'm telling you, it's it's it's. I like the concept. I like the the, the concept's great. Anne That's Ryan's not the movie feel. <laughs> no, sure, but it's a uh, in the same way. I, I know you're not a fan of Damon Lindelof, and I kind of feel like he ruined Lost as well, but. His style of storytelling is: we're going to lead you along. We're going to we're going to sprinkle like Lindelof, little okay. little nuggets. You like what? I like Lindelof. Okay. I thought you said you hated him. No. Or that he ruins things. No. Somebody I didn't say said that. that. Not me. I could have swore that was you. No. Um, <laughs> That's the door closing. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of things that you'll agree with me on because if but, I can't, if I can't get you on board with the direction, don't think of what I'll agree with right, you on. Right. Just tell us what you liked about the movie, and like, we'll still tear it apart. Sure, but just tell us what you like. I like the concept. I like the directing. I think the action scenes are really well directed. I think every I think the the, the, um, the like I said, stringing you along with kind of the mystery. She's kind of dropped in the middle of this story. Uh-huh. I love the visuals. The whole scene that she has where she's discovering Tomorrowland. That one kind of continuous shot that we find out later is like a holographic promotional video, basically. Uh, so there's some great ideas in there. And it, and it makes you feel for the character. Don't you feel for that little robot girl? No. When she, no? Oh, no. I thought she was cute. No. I, you know, I'm also kind of uh, a sucker for, this is going to sound pervy, I'm a sucker for like child actors, but like really good child actors. So, uh, Jackie Brown. No. Uh, <laughs> 
No, no. But, but there's a lot of good child actors in there, which is is hard to find. Are there mm-hmm. a lot of good child actors? Three. <laughs> the, the the kid the kid from Looper is in there the playing kid, the younger yeah, the brother. Who plays yeah yeah, and he's 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 like Dash from The Incredibles. Like he's the, the live action version of that character. It's kind of okay. snarky and right. George Clooney's good. Yeah. There's some fun ideas in there, I'm man. Glad, you well, know here's what? A, you know what it is. It's hard to defend that movie because <laughs> because it's horrible. <laughs> but but I think like um, maybe some of M Night Shyamalan's works that uh, people were be it people went in there. Going to be like Lone Ranger that people are going to revisit Tomorrowland like years from now and be like, you know what, that actually was. I don't know that that's happening thought. with Lone Ranger though outside of this room. But that it but it's happened. It's yeah, documented. Yeah. It's happened. Sure. So I'm asking you, do you think that's... A, okay, I, I, let me, think, I think this is a film, the kind of movie that Jeff and I will go back and watch someday and go, you know well, what, we were a little hard on that movie. You're not the intended audience. Yeah, I think so. Why I, are we not I the intended it, audience? Uh, because... Are you the intended audience? Yeah, I guess not either. Well, it was for kids, <laughs> right? It's kind of... For, is it? Uh, for tweens. <laughs> it's a tween movie. It is because it's got some, it's got hard enough action, but it's kind of a thinker. It's a, it's a it's it's a, it's a training movie. That's what I like to call it. Thinkers are not made for Jeff and I. We can't handle thinker movies. <laughs> Pretty colors. I like that you're just starting to Boobs. sweat. <laughs> no, it's not that. I'm just try- like if if you saw the same movie I saw and you're not on board, like I don't know what else I can. It's like that package that we both experienced. I I got a little something out of it yeah. because I thought it was better than people were. You know what it was? I saw it after I heard your, y'all's podcast about it, uh-huh. and I was expecting the worst. And so going in, so it's I was like, our fault. Oh great! No, no not just no. you. It's I think critics we didn't like it. He has to, he has like, to it. like it because Joel and I oh, are contrarian don't to each other. Put me in Joe's we, category. We are contrarian. I am to, not the person. You know who what's does funny, that. Jeff? You know what's funny is that like I made a little contrarian joke with Joel around Jason Cox, and like I was like, "Man, Joel, you're always so contrarian." And Jason started laughing, going, "Ha!" Right, like as if they've been talking shit about me being contrarian without me. I around. brought it up on the podcast. I brought it up on the podcast before the like the the, the, the James Bond movie uh-huh. Skyfall that everybody loved was like, I "Oh, it's right there." I don't like it. I know you. Don't. I don't like it. And it was almost universal. So there you go. Like I, I feel like I'm Did defending tomorrow. Did we talk about that? Did you see Spectre? I haven't because I haven't, I haven't heard good seen, things about it. I'm gonna either. have to wait for that one too. That's gonna be the first Bond movie in like decades that I hadn't gone and in, seen in, in theaters. theaters yeah. yeah. You think he's done? Uh, Making, yeah. Or, or hope, is he contractually he obliged he for has, one more? He he's got a fifth more, movie. God, is, could he just <laughs> do like the, the James Bond Christmas special? Call it a day. All right. So Tomorrowland. No, no, fucking Jackie Brown. <laughs> it killed Tron 3. Tron 3. See, the, and that's why you're holding a grudge. But although Tron 2 wasn't Excuse all me. that great. I, you know what? I think I like Tomorrowland better than Tron Legacy. Ooh, there you go. God. I said it. He's That's gotta, right. You got to turn off his mic. I said it. Oh, you got to turn off his mic. <laughs> this is my last episode as co-host like of the Editing Bay. This amazing story about a father and son and their relationship and yeah. you know some touching moments and some great fucking music oh, 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 from oh, Daft Punk. Well, sure, the music is great. Dude, but, uh, you sat here and went, I liked the concept, so that makes it a good film. So I'm going to tell you, like, the soundtrack is fantastic. It is. And it's actually, and, we, and you're the guy that's like, you know what? Uh, it was uh, it was the, uh, the 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 John Williams score that really kept this movie tied together. You can't be that guy and then get on me and be like, yeah, well, the soundtrack was okay, but the movie was. I no, said that about could... Star Wars the prequels, by the way. Yeah, yeah he mm, did. Apples to oranges. Come yeah, on, Joe. And, and Tron Legacy is way better than all of those prequels. Mm, uh, now that we are finally agreed on. Yes. Just, can we get to Jackie Brown? Then? <laughs> yes, we can get to Jackie Brown. 1997? Yes. Was it 1997? Jackie mm-hmm. Brown, based on the Elmore Leonard novel Rum Punch. Correct. Which, j- d- is this the only Tarantino movie that he's directed that isn't 
his source material, yep. his own stuff. Sure is. Do you think that has something to do with your uh, your feeling like it isn't his strongest film? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my main criticism for this film is that um, because, like you said, coming out with Reservoir Dogs, uh-huh. Shakespearean tragedy, loved it, limited storytelling, great characters, great dialogue. Up until the very end, there you don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. Yeah, I was with it the whole way. Pulp Fiction. I know you said you know it's a bunch of different vignettes. I think they kind of melded together. Uh-huh. Those, even though there are different characters and stories going along, they all felt like they were in the same universe, and in fact, they all do kind of coincide. And I I feel like he, he was trying to to say something there, right? Uh-huh. There was something deeper. It wasn't just uh, you know these these funny stories about robbery. That whole Samuel L. Jackson him him come, coming around, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Jackie Brown and and. You know, I could go on talking about Inglorious Bastards. Uh, obviously, he was trying to say something there. Django Unchained. Uh-huh. Hatefully, I'm putting in the Jackie Brown category, and, yeah. and I, it's the same issue I had. I felt like he's better than this. This kind of story was beneath him. Uh-huh. And, and at a point where we'd seen Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, everybody had high expectations. We wanted him to knock it out of the park. What does this storyteller have more up his sleeve? And, and here- it was kind of like... You're going to tell somebody else's story, and here's, it's not even very compelling. Here's the thing that uh, that I felt about Jackie Brown, especially when I first saw it. There was a James Bond movie called Moonraker, mm-hmm. and it was like suddenly we sent fucking James Bond to the moon, and yeah. he was fighting with laser beams, and it was like it had completely jumped the shark. So what they did next with James Bond was they did a film called For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. and it brought him back down to reality. He was like, you know, hanging out with a bunch of like freedom fighters. Uh, it was it was very grounded. And that's the impression I got when I first saw Jackie Brown. I was like, wow, this movie's a lot more grounded than something like Pulp Fiction was. Because Pulp Fiction's so flashy and colorful. Like, even, not just, like, literally a lot of colors, but just the way that that story's told, it's so dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you've got this, and it's a little bit more grounded, a little more gritty. But this movie has a horrible problem where, like, with Pulp Fiction, you can absolutely tell where everybody is chronologically, like where the story's taking place chronologically, there's you don't have a hard time kind of following along what's happening. With this movie, there's so many times where like they'll flash back to something in the middle of a scene, and it's a little, eh, it's disjointed. It, yeah. it feels very rough to watch. When you said last week, you're like, we're going to talk about Jackie Brown. It's the worst uh, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> movie. I was about to really like disagree with you. I was prepared to disagree with you on this. And so I started watching this movie and kicking right off with the across 110th Street music, yeah. which I was like, man, this is great. And the song is fucking fantastic mm-hmm. because great it soundtrack. harkens back. It's telling you in that song, it's telling you the entire story of what's about to happen mm-hmm. in this movie, which is from the Anthony Quinn movie across 110th Street that he did with Yafet Kato. Oh which was about a couple of New York City cops, you know, in the middle of the scheme to put the New York mob against each other. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's a cool, like, old black exploitation movie. And that's what Jackie Brown, at its heart, is. Wanted it's, to be, yeah. It's Quentin Tarantino's kind of love letter to black exploitation films. The fact that you've got Foxy Brown herself, yeah. Pam Greer, playing the title role of this movie, and she's doing what Pam Greer had always done best in those films. The problem is, the movie that's built around her, it, it's like... It's like making Creed. It's like Sylvester Stallone reprising his role as uh, Rocky Balboa mm-hmm. in Creed, but like if Creed sucked. Like if he <laughs> if he did the best work he could possibly do uh-huh. and then the whole movie was just like Rocky 5 all over again with Tommy oh. Gunn. It would have been shit. And that's kind of as I was watching this movie, uh, as Sarah and I both were watching this movie, I kind of started feeling like Wow, Joel is Joel's right. Like Whoa. This, this movie Isolate that soundbite. Is really this movie's really <laughs> rough it's not as strong as i remembered it being no it uh, needed an editor it, it needed, needed me. an editor it needed 
it needed somebody other than Tarantino to adapt the script. Like, because, you know, it, it was, I feel like Elmore Leonard's writing is good on its own. I mean, we've seen movies like Get Shorty. Didn't he write L.A. Confidential? He did that. He also, But he he's had some stinkers, though, too. He did well, the one. He, everybody has a, a stinker or two. But yeah. his dialogue alone is very, his dialogue has its own personality. Elmore Leonard's dialogue has its own cadence, almost like Aaron Sorkin. It has mm. its own cadence, its own thing. You can't take. Elmore Leonard and then inject Tarantino into it because then what you get is fucking eight minute scenes of De Niro and fucking Bridget Fonda talking about shit that doesn't matter ultimately you know and I get that that was what was kind of big in the 90s like it's about nothing it's just we're building we're building relationships or we're building characters but the thing is they're not there's so many scenes of people talking to each other about shit, mm-hmm. yet it doesn't propel the story and it doesn't propel the character. It was really frustrating to watch this movie. Yeah, I've, I had that that feeling during the the big sit down with uh, Jackie Brown and what Robert Forster character name Max Cherry. Max Cherry, um, who uh, owns Cherry Bank or Bank Bail Cherry Bonds. Bell Bonds. And I couldn't stop thinking of uh, the song Cherry Bomb every time I saw it. <laughs> Cherry Bonds. Sex Bob. Uh, there, there's that scene where um, it's about halfway through. They're in her kitchen and they're having like a little, uh, she's yeah. like she's kind of spilling she, her, she's talking about getting old and yeah. regrets. She's like, how's it, how's it feel to get old? And he's like, yeah. oh, you're not that. She's like, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I like, love well, this. I got hair plugs and uh, I did some bad. I feel better about myself. It didn't go anywhere. No, like it, it had no bearing whatsoever on the overall story. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. If you would have kind of concentrated on the plot at hand, which is basically just this uh, intricate, uh, it's it's a it's a caper. Yeah. it's a movie well, about who's going to get the money, and everybody's double crossing well, somebody gonna else. Who's going to get who? That's mm-hmm. I mean, we we set up the story pretty well with the uh, the Beaumont character played by Chris Tucker. Man, hey man, <laughs> that like you know he ends up getting pinched, and what he you know he's a guy that runs guns. For or drugs, guns, whatever. He runs stuff for the Ordell character played by Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Sam Jackson gets him out of jail, bails him out because he knows this guy's going to fucking talk. Mm-hmm. So he kills him. <laughs> I love the way he does it too. Oh, and that that's really a fun shot right there where he puts him in the car uh-huh. and then it's it's still a one shot. We're on a and the, big and the car, yeah, the car like goes around the corner. The crane goes up mm-hmm. just a little bit and we see over the fence. Yep. Car comes around, parks in that lot. Sam Jackson gets out, opens the trunk. Dude's like, man, Bam, bam. <laughs> I love that. And then, like, closes the trunk, gets in the car, and drives off yeah. all in one shot, uh-huh. which is really cool. Nicely like, done. It was, it was, but I, 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 I want to say that that's the only thing that I really enjoyed about the movie. Yeah, there were a lot of long takes like that. And I feel like, again, like you said, mid-90s, we were kind of in that era where it was it was impressive to watch. I mean, uh, Like Tarantino was trying to do his best Tarantino impression. Oh my God, you're fucking reading my mind. That is one of the notes that I wrote oh, really? down. I was like, this is Tarantino <laughs> trying to be like Tarantino, which is ironic. There's there's a, uh, an interview that he gave around the time that this movie came out where he's talking about... Listen, Quentin Tarantino, I love his movies, but is there anybody else who you would n- totally not want to hang out with right. for more than want, five minutes? You just minutes? want to punch him. He's like, fucking, I'm glad you and Robert Rodriguez have each other. You can suck each other's dicks and talk about the glory of a 70s film all you want uh, and then make shitty movies. Uh, but please don't pull me into that world. Yeah, love the guy. 
I love his work anyway. Um, and even though I'm saying this is the worst Tarantino movie, like we said, it's still better than most. It, it's yeah, above it's, average. It's still, it's still, it's not a horrible film. No, but it doesn't stand up. It does not stand up to the rest of his work. It's bec- because you know he's capable of something more. And I, I felt like this was kind of a waste of his time. Uh-huh. Like why, again, why are you adapting somebody else's story? I appreciate the dialogue and the spin you took on it, but it was way self indulgent. And yes, yeah. those long shots. The to- so many shots of people walking around just, that mall just, just walking, forever. Walking in a fucking airport terminal, mm-hmm. walking in the mall. Sarah pointed out a thing where they did the uh, the the run, the test run of yeah, getting yeah, the money yeah. through the uh, through customs. Mm-hmm. And like Jackie Brown's coming through the, uh, the, she's in the garage, the parking garage. And like the the Dargis and Nick, uh, Nicolette characters. Yeah, Michael Keaton. And Michael the- Keaton and the, uh, the other guy. They come and they walk, but they come in from either side of her, like flanking her. Mm-hmm. And Sarah was like, okay, in real talk, <laughs> were they like parked in two different spots and just like joined her like that? Or were they like, why would you just flank her like you just did? Like that's... That's so bad. Yeah, they're it, the worst fucking cops ever. Like as far as trying to be undercover, trying to be inconspicuous, <laughs> so fucking obvious. Which I guess is the point. Yeah, they were trying to show they're not really all that uh-huh. good at the job that they're doing, uh, and that plays in. But still, yeah, that is uh, that is that is uh, questionable why uh-huh. they would do that. Uh, and like I said, it needs an editor. Like. Were this movie did. to come out this, today, this movie did not need to be two and a half. You hours would take long. a lot of those long shots and you would cut them up and you make it choppy. Do do uh, the Born Identity uh-huh. style of editing where you go ahead, fill it all in one take, or, but just show me the highlights or the like. Just shoot it like you would shoot an Ocean's Eleven movie. Yeah, yeah, do it a, a traditional style. What this movie pretty much was because Ocean's Eleven hadn't come out yet. It, it was still yeah. probably a good five six years before Ocean's Eleven would come out. Yeah. The the remake, right? Uh, which did caper stuff like this yeah, nice a whole lot piece. better. Mm-hmm. In fact, directed by Soderbergh, who also directed Elmore Leonard's Out of Sight, which featured the Ray Nicolette character. Yeah. It, played how, by Michael Keaton. How cool is that? So I, I had totally forgotten about that, and my boss was talking to me about this movie, and apparently that casting was decided. Like, Tarantino found out that that character, or Michael Keaton had been cast in that character in Out of Sight, uh-huh. and uh, decided, well, let's see if we can get him to let's, let's play like the same Marvel role Cinematic in Universe this That's kind of what it is. Although, I don't remember his character being so bumbling okay. in Out of Sight, and right? Here's, here's what I wanted to ask, because I'd only seen Out of Sight once, and I seem to remember the Ray Nicolette character being a lot more of an antagonist. This like, is what I'm saying. He's he was, kind of lovable and affable he, in this Yeah, one. exactly. Uh, where yeah, in Jackie Brown, he's... You, like you said, he's affable. He's likable, and you feel for him a little bit at the end when uh-huh. the when the guy gets away. All all the work that he's been, uh, but he doesn't, doesn't get away. <sighs> well, okay, which is the yeah, weird yeah. thing. Which is the weird thing that I did want to point out about this movie right. because it, we were going to get to this sooner or later. We may as well get to it now. The plot that Jackie Brown fucking orchestrates mm-hmm. in this film takes a whole lot of like psychic foresight. Oh yeah, you know, like she had to have known that the Bridget Fonda character was going to get killed, and that the De Niro character was going to get killed yeah. for things to work the way that they did, and for like the even the shit that ended like in the end when the when Ordell comes into the bonds mm-hmm. the bonds office, and like okay, like she set all this up, and it was such a big buildup to get Ordell into the bonds office. Yep. And for, very for anticlimactic. Just to get shot? Yeah. Well, I don't believe that that character would have done that. Yeah. Going, like, the rest of the movie, he's kind of played everything on his terms. 
and and been the orchestrator of these. Well, there's plots. so like, much inconsistency with him anyway. Walk into a building that he doesn't he isn't secured. Like that doesn't seem like his style. Yeah, it seemed like it served the story. We we and that's what they did. It seemed they did that with his character all throughout this movie. Where like the very beginning, he's this imposing force. Mm-hmm. And blah, blah, blah. See what he's Bitch, capable of. I, do I, I'm gonna put my foot in your ass. Go get the phone. And then like you know, coming in to threaten to kill Jackie, he's got his hands on her neck and yep. and that's actually that's a pretty a decent scene. scene. Between I love her, that between Jackie and Ordell in the dark the way he's like slowly turning off the lights in yeah. each room as they exit you're like oh fuck oh yeah the snake's getting ready to strike yep and then like there are a few scenes where he joins he meets her at a bar and he's like oh damn why'd you do that for Jackie oh <laughs> they and it's do like, well, have what are you are you a badass or are you you know a coward what who is this character because we have not in two and a half hours established who this character is I think that all those little plot twists were meant to be played out as okay there's this plan in place and you mentioned you evoked uh, Ocean's Eleven which did it much better where you see them planning this plan and then you see the plan getting thwarted and you're like oh shit their shit's blowing up then you realize nope they were kind of in control they were were anticipated that the entire time because what Soderbergh did in a lot of those scenes in Ocean's Eleven is you actually see there are little hints of things that were going to happen that they were planning for this to get like thwarted planning for it to go wrong Mm -hmm. Because that was the plan. I didn't realize until the second viewing that they're, they're, they flat out show you the replica yes. of the, uh, the the bank vault, uh-huh. and you know they they make it they play it off as oh we're testing it out. But I never mm. for once thought that oh that's going to come in later in the that's plot. That's where they're going to actually like film all this exactly. Stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, little little clues here and there. I think we're meant to believe in Jackie Brown that that's exactly what's happening. She has this plan. It's kind of gone awry. She's working on the spot. Yeah, you know, she's trying to deal with the situation as as it as it occurs. But yeah, it's hard to tell what was predestined and what was improvised, uh-huh. and that kind of takes the this the the uh, str- not the stress the uh, the what am I trying to say? I don't the, know the intrigue, the mystery. Oh, 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 the suspense. Suspense is the word I was yeah. looking for. Wow, it's been a long day, folks. <laughs> it's okay. It's been a birthday. long day. Without you, my friend. Oh, how about and that? I'll Not getting nominated for best song for the Oscars. Have we talked really, about the Oscar no, nominations? We, we haven't talked about the Oscar nominations at all. Can, uh, why would we? Because the Revenant's going to win everything. Because that's what apparently this uh, Birdman director does. Is he oh, comes in at the last fuck. minute with some movie? Not and again. Though, won't he get penalized? Though, penalized, if you will, for having already uh, taken taken away the awards for. Uh, Birdman last year? No, I don't think so. Last year? Two I, years ago? No, it was last year. Last year was Birdman. How did he even time have time to make another film? I have no idea. He's the Spike Lee of uh, Mexican <laughs> film directors. Just, or the Robert or, Rodriguez. Uh, Woody. <laughs> He's the Robert Rodriguez. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I... Uh, Look, I like the guy. I liked Birdman a lot. Yeah. Uh, in right. fact, I agreed that Birdman should have gotten Best Picture that's, over Boyhood. That's your Tomorrowland for me. <laughs> yeah. I do not like Birdman. Um, Birdman is for a small sect of audience. And, and it's this guy. It's, uh, it's, it's actors. My, it's my sect. You're not into acting. It's my sect. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, yeah, no, the, the Oscar nominations I saw, and I'm glad that uh, Stallone is nominated again for Best Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Mad Max is getting that nomination for Best Picture. Hell Yeah. Never gonna win. It's not going. Never to win, gonna win. Which is which is really a shame. Did you? <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but Garrett, one of my friends, he listens to the podcast. Yeah, Garrett he he linked. Uh, very good. He linked a story on my Facebook page, yeah. and it was like a completely unbiased look at all of the Oscar nominee films. Oh no! And it was this person. He talks about like uh, it's like all he talks about Mad Max Fury Road and how about how he you know oh man this movie da 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 and what it did and it was so great. And then it goes on. And it talks about like the room, and it's like mm. yeah, this movie's great. It's about some. Somebody who's stuck in a room. 
Uh, let me tell you another movie about some people that are stuck in a room, and it was much better. It's called Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> And it basically, he just goes through all of <laughs> the nominees them. and compares it to Mad Max Fury Road and why really Mad unbiased. Max is better. Nice. Uh, it's the best write-up. If you could find it, Jeff, I'd recommend yeah. you All you those Oscar it. nominations are fairly typical, is yeah. what I would expect. What Although th- I can't... Yeah, you're about to ask uh, Yeah, I wanted the, to ask, what do you think about all this hub baloo Oscar so About the, uh, the, like, Oscar's white. Yeah, that argument would have made a lot more sense before totally cleaned up two years ago, yeah. right? It's like, it's hard to make that argument post that happening and and can we not just have a year where because here's how the argument goes oh there's, there's another but white people nominated where are all the black people all right well, all right well who, who should have been nominated well how about michael b jordan for creed i do uh, think that michael b jordan deserved a nomination for creed okay who else uh i but that i'm the wrong person to ask no, because I, I haven't I know. seen a whole lot of film and i haven't uh, either and and i guess people will say um uh uh, Straight out of Compton, which I haven't yes, seen yet. I haven't seen Straight Out of Compton because then I. So I said, okay. So Jeff says, yeah, yeah. So maybe some good. And they had there. An, a couple extra like nominated spots they could have used for best. That's picture. what's most. Yeah, because they changed the rules years ago. Oh, we can nominate up to ten films, and and then to leave two of them empty. Yeah, when it's like, or maybe how about we remove some of the fluff there? Yeah, get rid of uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, I saw Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn's. Brooklyn's okay. Brooklyn is not best picture. SNL was like, Spike Lee's just pissed that there was a movie called Brooklyn. It's full of white people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good good point. Here's here's something that I I feel like, even though I don't think he deserved to win it, I think Harrison Ford should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Interesting. For for Han Solo, because you consider the body of work. That's what we're doing with Stallone with Mm -hmm. Rocky Balboa. And I think that he deserves it for this because he's turned in an amazing performance he's in Creed. He's so good, yeah. Uh, did you see Creed yet? Oh, I thought you were talking about Harrison Ford. Oh, Har- Harrison Ford. No, Harrison Ford's fucking amazing in this new Star Wars movie. You, mm-hmm. you you put that up against anything he's done in the past, like, 25 years. It is one of his best performances, really I think, is. in a long time. He deserves to Fugitive. at least be recognized, Has you he, know? Is he, an, is he an Oscar winner? I think so, yeah. I for think, Fugitive? I think he won for The Fugitive. I think you're right, yeah, because yeah. that, that movie was big that year. And, like... <laughs> Didn't he win for Sabrina, or wasn't he nominated for Sabrina? That, see, and that's one of those other movies where everybody, I say everybody, but the Oscar uh, voters fell in love with that movie, and it's like... It's just a rom-com. <laughs> it's, it's, and there's nothing to it, and the same thing with Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a good story told yeah. well, but what I don't I don't see there are, why it should be best there are picture. weird movies that are like that every year that they just kind of fall in love with people just kind of fall in love with. they're like oh I really but it's just it's so delightful I remember and, I'm sorry going back to the 90s or sure. mid 90s where we were I remember uh, you Yuli's gold you remember Yuli's gold yes with the Fonda what's yeah, his name yeah Henry uh, Henry Peter, Fonda. Peter, Peter Fonda. Fonda that's right was Henry Fonda was in grapes of wrath <laughs> wow. he died a long time, a long time ago, ago. Uh, another Fonda though Bridget Fonda Henry mm-hmm. Fonda um, I'm pretty Fonda of those Fondas that was the year where I always I started telling myself I'm gonna I'm gonna see every because I was going through my film phase uh-huh. um, a tour and uh, I'm gonna see all the movies that are nominated and I that year I believe I did and then that was the last year that I did it because I was like oh I get it I see what's <laughs> happening like I should just stick with what appeals to me and not yeah pigeonhole Sarah myself did that last year she did that last year and the year before where she saw all the nominated films yeah and, and usually there's her idea two or three that deserve it and then some padding in there like I really liked the imitation game I did too uh, I thought that. And, and I've gone back and forth. Sarah and I have actually kind of debated this a little bit where I felt like the, uh, the I felt like the whole, you know, the fact that the main character was gay 
wasn't treated with enough respect in the context of the story. And they should have brought it up sooner instead of yeah. burying the lead uh-huh. because that would have made some of those scenes between... Like, if you don't know the story going... They're assuming you know that story going in. They're not right. really dropping a lot of hints. I didn't know that story going in. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, whoa, why... Huh. And then, like, there's this whole thing at the end where it talks about, like, you know, revolutionized for gay, right? And I'm like, it well, really... I really wish you would have, you know, kind of kicked off with a little bit of that. So. You know you know what it is? What I can uh, compare it to? Lincoln. Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. I haven't seen it. That's a, it's a, gr- I love Lincoln. Um, yeah. and <laughs> I love Lamp. I love Lamp. <laughs> Do you really love Lincoln or are you just saying you love Lincoln? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's one of his best of that style. Of, like, I put it uh-huh. up there with Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. Yeah. Um, Earn this. Is, is that what he says when he gets <laughs> shot in the Head. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what the dude? Uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who John Wilkes. Booth. John Wilkes Booth jumps up and he's like Six Semper Tyrannis, <laughs> and he shoots him and he's like Earn, earn this. <laughs> <laughs> it's about President's Day. Earn this day. The, the whole movie, you should see it. And party on, dude. You should see it, but the movie has nothing to do with with his assassination. It's not even really about his entire presidency. It's about the passing of the 13th Amendment. And fighting and, vampires. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's right. right. It happens at the very end. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention it, because spoiler alert, everybody, if you haven't seen Lincoln, or been, he's like, a vampire hunter. gone to school. What? You know, history class. I was playing in this <laughs> world as if we were like, you know, that Lincoln was, oh, Abe got Lincoln. Got you. <laughs> Did you say Abe Lincoln? No. I said, hey, Lincoln. Um. So that's a great movie on its own, and then at the very end, they threw in the assassination when it had nothing to do. They should have ended the movie five minutes sooner, yeah. Because the, his death has nothing to do with the rest of the film, yeah. And the same thing with um, what we were just talking about <laughs> the the imitation the imitation game. game. Him being a homosexual had nothing to do with the story that they were telling for the first ninety minutes, yeah, yeah. So it's like I understand you're trying to either they, tell they, that they, story they just, or tell this story it was it wasn't to, in my estimation it wasn't skillful the way that they layered it i agree uh all right so getting back to jackie brown from this oscar talk uh so we've got kind of a, a very sloppy unbalanced and and uh less than skillfully woven together uh caper that's going on in this movie that's exactly what and it I, is. I feel like one of the important things for a caper film is that you don't want to you don't want to give up everything to your audience. You want your audience to be able to kind of discover things through the eyes of a character. Yeah. And I'm assuming that that character is kind of supposed to be the Robert Forster character. Mm. Because it's definitely not Jackie Brown. Mm. We're not discovering things through the eyes of her. She's the one that's holding the secrets. Exactly. Which is weird to me that it's it's her movie, mm. but she's not the one we're supposed to be really sympathizing for. Yeah. It's the Robert Forster character who doesn't get enough screen time if he's the character that's supposed to be our portal into this world. He's very supporting. His character is kind of inconsequential. Like he's, he doesn't have the heroic moment. Like no. He doesn't, doesn't really go on much of a journey. He just kind of walks around. and, and <laughs> like He's just walking and mumbling. And I guess we're and supposed to believe. I love Robert Forster. I did too. Geez. I think he's fun in this. But yeah, he's not, he's not the main, he's not the hero. So who do we experience this movie through? Uh, through Samuel L. Jackson, for the most part, <laughs> he's because he discovers things along with us. Yeah, you know what? I, I see what you're saying. And how do you do that? How do you make the audience like relate with the antagonist? Yeah, I, I think it was more, it more wanted to fool you than have you experience the story through one character. And it because if you do, from that. then you know what's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, you say that. Although I did appreciate the, the story does kind of move along at a nice clip. When people are talking about the, the actual plot, right? Uh-huh. About, you know, we get to act two when things are starting to move and they're doing that trial run. Uh-huh. That's when it starts getting exciting. Um, we stop down. Uh, this movie climaxes like way too early. Yeah, it just does. like me. It absolutely does. And <laughs> it's, it's just just slow downhill 
for the last 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but I do like how it strings you along. You'll, there's a scene with uh, you know Jackie Brown and uh, the Michael Keaton character mm-hmm. uh, who, who plays the cop. He's trying to bust Samuel L. Jackson because he's a, a, an arms dealer, right? Yeah. So th- they've been on his trail for a while. And uh, in that scene, she's totally giving... Michael Keaton, all the information. She's totally selling out Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, she's turning she's on him. She's turning on him. But and then, then the but very then next scene Sam Jackson, is Sam Jackson. I told him everything. Exactly. And, and like, bitch, why'd you do that for? And so that keeps happening. And so you're like, okay, so there's a master plan here. We're not quite sure who she's lying to. We won't find out until but, the shit and, hits And the this fan. is going back to what I was going to say. You don't want to give up your entire plot, but I feel like even though, despite what you're saying, they still leave the audience too much in the dark. You know what? Wow. I am about to compare this movie to, um, I don't know that it's Willow. better. And maybe it's Will- <laughs> That's right. You walk right. <laughs> it was um, Now You See Me. Yes. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay. So you know, with you, all the locks on the bridge. Yeah. So you know the, twi- the twist ending. Yeah. It's common who gets like hypnotized in, Wait, the, in the room. Remember the, the, the black cop? Who's like you know like hypnotized and he kind of starts pretending he's playing the the oh, violin. Yes, that's, that's right. That's common. That's the the rapper common. Well, that's not the twist I was talking that's about. The, that's a, that's a hell of a twist. Did you stick around for the end of the film? I guess I went kind of Bill Cosby where they, there first. Where they they jump off the stage or whatever in their hologram. No, I mean like the big twist of the film. Who we find out who the mastermind is? That it's it's the Hulk. <laughs> that's right. We're Mark not a Ruffalo. team. We're a time bomb. And I actually appreciated that. <laughs> that movie was a little style over substance. Yeah, uh, and and misdirection for misdirection's sake. But there's a film where they stole my money. It had a uh, oh, Michael Caine <laughs> is sh- in that, isn't it? I, sh- I should have learned from the last time I I've messed with magicians. He was in that, playing kind of a, a bad the dude. The Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, there's a mashup. I know, right? Now you see the me. Prestige. Now the you prestige mashup. Uh, there was clones of Bradley Cooper. That's what it was. Oh my God! Wait, Bradley, Bradley Cooper? Cooper wasn't even in that. Wait, movie. who am I thinking? You're thinking uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. There you yeah. Go. Anyway, so or we Dave find Franco. So that his throwing cards, <sighs> or fire fireballs that he you was know, throwing at. I'll see the sequel though. At I don't Mark care. Ruffalo. I'll, what what I'll the hell will you it. call it? <laughs> would it be called Now You Don't? Is that, <laughs> right. is that what you would call the sequel? I was thinking about that the other day. Like, um, uh, was it the whole nine yards? Remember then they did the, <laughs> the whole, whole ten, ten yards? yards, and there was uh, uh, the Billy Crystal, Robert De Niro analyzed this, and then analyzed that. Yeah, where do you go from that? Analyze these, <laughs> analyze, analyze them. them. <laughs> oh wow, Unagi. Analyze it. But so uh, now you see me. We find out Mark Ruffalo, who was the we thought was the FBI agent all along. Yeah. Uh, chasing these, find, you find out he was the mastermind, the magician the who was leading. Time. He's like, I'm glad you guys found my apartment. But at the same time, <laughs> we got to experience the film through him as he was discovering, you know, one step behind. Yeah. Gotta keep one jump behind. The- da, anyway, da, da, um, da. And so that was kind of a clever way to do it. And that way you got to do both. You got to have somebody who the audience could sympathize with and then have your twist at the end. This one didn't no, either, right? No, yeah. no. That was now, a long way to go to get to that really, analogy. It would have been it would have been something else to like at the end we finally get to the end and we find out that like the Ray Nicolette character was in on the deal. There you go. I was like, expecting another so, like a, a, a substantial twist where we'd just, have been like, "Oh, well that's how everything worked. Like that's yeah. how she was actually able." He's like, "How do you think you got through customs?" Yeah, like, you know, that right? Nicolette was helping her out. That would have been something else. It you just, know, that they have that one scene where she's like, "You know, you could take one." He's like, "I guess I could." And but then I'd have to give you one, huh? I mean, anyway, nobody really knows how much money's here anyway. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can't think. And you get you get this really cool thing. And I understand that scene was to show that, like, she kept saying, he doesn't care about the money. He just wants Ordell. Nope. He cared about the money, too. He wanted the money. And so that's what that scene's telling us. Mm-hmm. But it would have been nice to see him, like, boom, you know, to see that character. Because 
suddenly like that Dargis character like just fucking disappears. Right? Yeah. And it's all about the Ray Nicolette character. I wondered about that too, which is fine because I didn't I was like, all right, one less person to recast. Thank God. Wasn't he the guy Buck who likes to fuck from uh <laughs> Kill Bill? <laughs> Kill Bill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, Tarantino using a lot of his regulars, as we said, Sam Jackson. Yeah, uh, he, he used some other er- pretty well known actors in very minor roles when uh Jackie Brown faces the 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 judge for sentencing. Oh yeah. The judge is Sid Haig. I've heard about fucking, that. you know, uh uh, for, uh, what is it? House of a Thousand Corpses and the Devil's Rejects. He's one of the guys from that. And then you have Denise Crosby is the uh, I saw that the, the prosecutor. prosecutor. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is is uh, what was her ensign? You, Lieutenant Yar. Yar. That's who it was. Yar. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. This was uh, <laughs> this was this was one of Sarah's notes. Okay. Remember when uh, Diane Keaton did that Woody Allen movie Annie Hall? <laughs> And like, uh, I'm, yeah, familiar so, with so it. Suddenly adopted that style, like what she wore in that right. movie yes. became what she, she wore took all the time. The costume home and became. <laughs> Sarah was like, "Is this Sam Jackson's Annie Hall?" <laughs> because like mm. he seems to wear like the Kanga backwards Kanga hats and stuff. And uh, like, it, was he doing that before? I'm like, I don't think he was doing it That's before. I think point. he did it after that. <laughs> and then like, there's a scene where they're in the mall talking, and Jackie Brown's wearing. She's like, "Shit, Jackie Brown's now wearing one of these too." That's a good point. I'm like, wow. So yeah, that that, that was. Just a quick observation. Yeah, Tarantino's stink is all over this, for better or worse. I do enjoy his his dialogue, and there are some tense scenes here. Uh-huh. Um, go ahead. Oh no, just you you had said his stinks all over it. I'm like that's evidenced in the fact that women in this movie rarely wear shoes. I always thought uh-huh. his like foot fetish thing was a joke that people oh, made. Oh no. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious when you have that knowledge and then you go back and watch this. Yeah, 15 minutes in and it's we see uh, disgusting. Bridget Fonda's toe on, uh, on De Niro's drink. <laughs> on the edge of that. That's a nice little shot and then he kind of reaches over and pulls <laughs> it away from her. Yes. I'm just going to put this over here. That was a weird casting, uh, I thought. De Niro? To have De Niro in that role. I thought it was kind of cool that De Niro was in it, mm-hmm. but my problem with that is that the character was basically comic relief mm-hmm. till the third act. When yes. suddenly he just... Turn. You, you, it didn't, you did not see it coming, and that's another one of those things where Tarantino likes to shock. We know that, but his shocks often make sense. Or in retrospect, you're like, yeah. oh, oh, I, I, could, I, I could see the building blocks to exactly. that. I could see the breadcrumbs that lead to this. Yeah, not nothing, so here. Nothing he and Bridget there. Fonda kind of have this um, this flirtatious. They, uh, they fuck in the kitchen. Know, they fuck in the kitchen. And then, like, just yeah, they have and a little then, bit of a flirtatious relationship. And then they start plotting against the Samuel L. Jackson character together. And uh-huh. you think, oh, okay, you see where the different parties are starting to break off and how the shit's going to hit the fan. But I did not believe, yes. So basically, we're led to believe that um, De Niro went from fucking Bridget Fonda and being in cahoots with her. Uh-huh. Uh, but and then, then all they of a suddenly sudden, become so contentious because she's locked herself in a bathroom and won't come out, and they're late to getting to the mall, and she's mocking him. So now he just fucking shoots her like in bro. First of all, isn't he a smarter criminal than this? I guess not, because they do spend some time talking about how he's kind of a he's, dumb criminal, and he is dumb. But, but he was a lovable dumb exactly. for the first two thirds of this movie. Exactly, and like he, he he was a bank robber. He he wasn't in jail for murder. We're yeah. led to believe. So and then he just easily sh- shoots and kills a yeah. woman. Yeah, a defenseless woman because he can't find his car. Yeah, in the parking lot. Although I did think that was kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's so shocking I, that he I does like it. I like the point where he shoots her and then continues to walk. Then he turns around. and goes, "Told you I knew where it was." Yeah, exactly. And then he gets his, I'm like, "God damn it!" It's like, a fun performance from him, uh, and and you don't often get to see him do that. But he's so he's still such a a, uh, a commanding presence yeah. that it's hard to see him as subservient someone subservient to yeah to Samuel Sam Jackson. Jackson yeah 
in 19, this movie's supposed to take place in 1995, but it was shot in 97. Right. And there were so many things that, like, they, like, continuity wise, didn't catch. Uh, the American president the, is on the movie poster <laughs> yes. of the movie that he's coming out. He's coming out as the uh, American 96. president. That, yeah, that came out way later. Mm-hmm. There's uh, something I read about how, like, there's uh, there's mall closing on July 4th, Friday. And Uh-oh. I guess July 4th fell on Friday in 97, not in 95. Oops. Uh, and then there's Jackie Brown smoking everywhere. Fucking indoors. And Jenna made that comment, too. She was like, when did this movie take place? That <laughs> She's just constantly smoking in a mall yeah. and in office. Everybody's constantly asking whether they can smoke. Yeah. Uh, that, that was another out. thing that, that Sarah had pointed out. She's like, can you smoke in a mall in 1995? I go, I don't think so. Uh, especially not in L.A. L.A. was the, <laughs> that the was tip the, of the, the spear. First. Yeah, that was the first. Uh, I oh. don't I don't really have any other notes about this movie. Do you have anything in particular you want uh, to talk about? Let's see. Um, you know, so I talked about the, the, the climax at the end. And ha- Joe, has Tarantino made a movie where he hasn't done... <laughs> I do have a couple of them. Okay. Where he hasn't done any time shifting or told something in flashback? I don't think he has. Um, I don't think he has it all. Maybe Death Proof. Maybe Death Proof is linear. No. No, it's, it's not, not. Is it? Death Proof is not linear. That's right. No. And even Django, we have flashbacks. I feel like Tarantino does like intend to make movies that are linear stories. Like, I, I, I feel like maybe Reservoir Dogs was originally told in a linear style hmm. and was less interesting, and so he just played with editing. That's something that a lot of people do. If their movie isn't dynamic enough, they'll change True. it around. Except that that one was all about the reveal. Yeah. That, that has to have been premeditated. That, but, that Tim Roth was the cop. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I see where you're going. There's there's case to be made. I, I feel like this movie probably would have been a little better if it was just told in a linear style. I think so, too. It was kind of a crutch because we see that that the the handoff that happens with the cash in the mall, we see it from four different angles, uh-huh. and, so we're, we're, but, and almost in real time. It's it's done in four different angles, and it's actually kind of obnoxious the way that it's done. Yes, where, thank you. you know, where, where we, the first time we see it, and Jackie Brown's in the changing room, and we see Mel's feet underneath the changing room door, and she's like, you got to keep that outfit? Yeah, that's it's really good looking. Okay, cool. Here's the stuff. Awesome. And then, like, we come back from a different point of view, and, like, Bridget Fonda looks over her shoulder, and she's like, mm, she looks good in that outfit. Like, you don't need to include that bit of dialogue. We understand that this is she happening saw. beforehand. Mm-hmm. That this is You added that piece of dialogue to tell the audience that, like, okay, this is how she knows that she was wearing that outfit. Like, that does, that's not important in the story. No. I don't care about and that. And I don't think that the audience benefits from learning each side of the story in, Except in for tidbits Robert like Forster. that. Robert Forster's, you could tell the story like just linear style, mm-hmm. but then go back and tell it from Robert Forster's point of view. But, because that's the fun reveal to find out where the money went. Who got that bag that was still But did you the, need to see him see Robert De Niro and nope, Bridget Fonda come no, in? Did you need you to sure see him not, no, walk you just, all the way and see you? No. Yeah. No, you didn't we know what happens. see all of that. Um, you could have just recut that as one and, scene. And they do that like five or six times. Like they it's did it. Tedious. They did it in the mall when they did the test run. Yeah. And then they did it again when it actually happened. It's like, okay, what the fuck? We don't need... It's just filler. It's filler for the... Again, dude... I went into this movie going, man, I can't wait to tell Joel how fucking wrong he is <laughs> because this movie's really good. I remember it being really Thanks, good. And well, no, I mean, it's 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 a fun kind of you I, know a fun I little, do the same a little discussion thing. But you know, no, by the time the movie was done, I was like, goddamn, he's right. Mm. This one is as I think of the movies, I would f- I would suddenly put this one at the bottom of the fucking barrel. Do you think it's because he didn't come up with the story? No, and he was trying to. Yeah, it's, it's all in the telling. I don't. I think it's in the telling, and I think that he's he was so stuck on his own storytelling style yeah. that 
he doesn't know how to adapt somebody else's story. This whole movie was like a wish list for him. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if uh, I adapted this? Um, just, hey, wouldn't it be cool it, if I got Jackie Brown, this black exploitation icon? It wasn't a seamless combination of Elmore Leonard and Quentin Tarantino. Well, you're talking about two guys with a very distinct voice. Yes. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is, you can find people that can marry those things. Mm-hmm. Soderbergh has done it. Yes. You know, and you've got, uh, who, who directed L.A. Confidential? Oh, I can't remember uh, who Was that, that Michael Mann? Was it? No, it wasn't Michael Mann. Uh, shit, I can't uh, remember. I got it. I'm but on it. That film was fucking amazing. It was somebody who knew how to project Elmore Leonard's voice from the page to film. And, you know, you, everything from the, you know, you could take a whore and, and paint her up like Lana Turner. She's still a whore. Yeah. That is Lana Turner. Like, you had <laughs> actors that knew how to deliver that dialogue. Oh, I forgot about and, that. Oh, my God. It's so good. And then you have the bit at the end where they finally confront the, she, the chief of police. Uh, and it's it's a fucking compelling ass movie. Curtis Hansen was the director of that. What film. else has Curtis Hansen done? Uh, Eight Mile. Oh, you got to lose yourself to the music. In Moment. her shoes, you own it. Lucky you. You better never let it too, go. Oh, too big to fail. Much. The TV movie. Wow, these are all chasing horrible. Mavericks. These are all. Bad. Oh, and uh, Greg the Bunny, the TV was, series. Wasn't Chasing Mavericks the 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 movie about the lacrosse team with uh, with Brandon Routh? When young Gio oh no, that's Moriarty the surfing movie. Discovers that the mythic Maverick surf break, one yeah, of the biggest waves with in Gerard Earth. Butler. Yeah, Gerard Butler. Okay, yeah, and wow, Elizabeth. So this guy, this guy had an, a kick-ass uh, experience directing an Elmore Leonard script, <laughs> and then and then kind of just punted, went into obscurity. They also did Wonder Boys. You remember that from two thousand? Wonder Boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you knew that Tobey Maguire was going to be an action star. <laughs> When you think action, think <laughs> <Exactly>. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> that and uh, what's the black and white movie? Uh, the Artist? No, where it's like they go into TV land. <laughs> oh, Him oh, and Reese Pleasantville. Witherspoon. Pleasantville. I kind of like that I one. I like that one, too. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, wow, no. Uh, who, who directed Get Shorty? Because uh, that was based on Elmore Leonard as well. Also was, right? wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Shorty Get Down. Shorty, Shorty. That was a good movie, though. That's basically what I'm getting at, is that <laughs> you've had other directors that have directed Elmore Leonard's material, and it's been done way better than Tarantino. And all that Tarantino had to do was put himself aside and just serve the serve the, the source material. Serve what was on the page, not what you wanted to do with it. Yeah, but even then, at that point, I'm like... Oh, by the way, Barry Sonnenfeld did uh, get oh, shorty oh, for yeah. Men in Black fame. Yeah. Um, and my answer to that is like, well, they just don't do this movie. Do your own movie. Just don't do, get Tarantino. Do, do some. It. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I want Tarantino to do his own films. He's he said he's probably only going to do ten. We're eight in. He's got a couple left. Um, tell your. You obviously have your own and stories. An, and one of them is supposed to be what Kill Bill three. Yeah, Kill Bill three. And so then, we've wasted one and another western to complete his western trilogy. Apparently, good God, uh, I know, right? Why don't he do? You know, I, I want Tarantino to do a space movie. Dude, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be great? People talking fast in space. Do a sci-fi movie. I don't think guns. Well, he would just have lasers. Lasers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Blasters. Or just, thank God we created this thing that lets us shoot guns in space. Listen, I think you and I I will agree that he's still uh, one of the best directors. He's He's got a great eye. His dialogue is unlike anybody else's. He's one of the most, I don't don't, want to say best. Mm Mm-hmm. He's one of the most outstanding directors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know his material. And you can respect where he's coming from when he puts it together. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make everything he does gold. No, true. But they're still enjoyable. Like, even his weakest films, and I would, like I would Death pull this Proof one here, and this one, are still kind of fun to watch. What, where would you rank this Ooh. among The Hateful Eight, Death Proof, and this movie? I think, I think it's Hateful Eight is above. 
Jackie Brown is underneath, and I think Death Proof is, is the, my least is favorite. The least favorite, only because of that last segment. I loved yeah. Death Proof. I loved uh, the whole where Kurt Russell until, pulls a De Niro, where suddenly yes. he's like fucking you know a, a simpering coward at the very end. But from, but to the point where he kills Rose McGowan. Uh-huh. From that point on in that film, where now we're introduced to a whole other set of characters that are all fucking annoying, except for Elizabeth Winstead and that cheerleader. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Oh my god. And they just leave her. What was I saying? She's I know, I know. And then she <laughs> never comes back. She never goes back. And then that whole yeah, that whole uh, climax seemed just mean spirited. And yeah. now three girls are just going to beat this guy to death with their hands and it, fists. It was just, it was, and then jump for it was like J- the end of Django and Chain. It's like this is tonally wow, off. Like we had a really good movie going. Like, there where's for a the little bit? victimhood that you feel? Uh-huh. Where's the sigh of relief? There yeah. shouldn't be a. A fist pumping ending. I want to point this out. This was one of my notes I laughed at. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I completely fucking overlooked this. You remember the fucking uh, deluge of shit that fucking Tarantino got when Django came out and like there was all this the N word, the N word, the right. N word, the yep. N word. Fucking, th- that's never been, like, that hasn't yep. changed. That's not a new development I for had Tarantino. That same thought watching And that's this being film. thrown out in this movie. I'd almost say more. In Jackie Brown, yeah. then in Django Unchained. But all coming from the lips of Samuel L. Jackson. Uh-huh. We hear it from, from white folk. And so that's the difference. In the Django. fact that it's white people saying yeah. it in that movie. And in Hateful Eight, too, you'll you'll discover. Yeah. <laughs> that movie. Uh, God, I gotta, I, very I liberal. See this movie. With the N-word. But, but this isn't a new development for Tarantino is what I'm saying. No, absolutely. So th- it seems kind of bullshit for there to have been that outrage. Like, if, if someone gets upset, like, in Django, like, oh, my God, they're saying it so much, I'd be like, hi, welcome to 1997. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead and watch this movie, <laughs> and then we'll talk. You know, like, this is something that isn't new. You've basically given him permission since fucking uh, from Pulp Fiction, where he's he was saying he, that That I found quite shocking at yeah. the time. I'm yeah. like, really? Uh-huh. You're going to talk to Samuel Jackson that <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jeff said when Who's we were talking about the best of 2015. Yeah. He was like, yeah, like he kept saying that. He's like, man, you're saying that to Sam Jackson. And he does. Uh, it's, the, it's the hard R in which he says it, too, that <laughs> finds it it's even more jarring. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make it okay no. for me. Sarah, also, Sarah pointed out, she's like, you guys will say every bad word in, in the world, but you won't say that one on the podcast. I'm like, nope. Because nope. it's not a, it just, it's, <laughs> it's not a bad word. It's, it it's, is it's a, a bad a, word. No, 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 it's but what I'm worst. saying, it's not a curse word. It's a dirty word. And I I don't, like, I, I'm, I don't feel like pressured to not say it, but it's like what, the only reason I would say it would be to cause harm or pain but it, or it something. Is, it's like but I don't I have, have that in me. I do have to agree that it is funny that we won't even say it like as an example of what somebody said. In the <laughs> right. Movie. I know like, there was we a, won't even quote somebody completely. We'll be like, you know, because storing dead Edwards isn't my business. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, uh, I think there was a, a debate going on on one of the news channels, Fox News or CNN or whatever, and it was like, what's worse, the, you know, the cracker or the N word. And somebody posted, it was like, just the fact that you have to call it the N-word, <laughs> there's your answer right there. <laughs> like, nobody's calling it the C-word. Because that stands for something else. The exactly. C-word is something else. Yeah. And that I, I liberally use. <laughs> um, okay. And my last thing is the, uh, and I think this adds to my my comment about how like you just can't keep track of what's going on and when in this movie. Mm-hmm. The weird fucking dissolves. Like there are so, a lot of dissolves, like, so many dissolves, and they're so bad. They're they're, long, they're like five second dissolves, uh-huh. um, and yeah, they're not very. I don't like I don't like dissolving from somebody's face while they're still doing a performance. Yeah, I don't to like something seeing, else happening. I don't like seeing their head turning at that last second. Like yeah. I, 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 dissolves it's, should be used sparingly. Yeah, um, and in this one, 
that was kind of a trend uh, that I noticed was going on like the late '90s because Scorsese did it. Did you ever see Bringing Out the Dead? Yes, I did with uh, with Nick uh, Nick uh, Cage and uh, who's the crazy guy from uh, from uh, yeah Tom Sizemore? Tom exactly. Sizemore, yeah. Pat- There's uh, some uh, Arquette, Patricia Arquette yep, was yep. in it. I kind of dissolves. liked that movie. It was man, ooh, it is. Um, it's it's like the whole movie is like the last third of Goodfellas. Yeah. Like that crazy so, coke like cocaine panic. Exactly. It's which is, so stressful. Which is my least favorite part of uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, that whole I love the whole the movie helicopter. until we get to the end with the helicopter. I'm like, man, I just don't like this. Like, I really like the cool gangster you need movie. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you need it to complete the downfall yeah, you of do. that character. I, I get it. You're right. It's not as enjoyable to watch. <laughs> I, I love the final shot of that movie, though, man, where he's at his fucking, like, the front yard. And there he is, just living in the fucking poetic. Suburbs. I'm like, yep. God damn, this is good. You know what? A good, a good uh, companion piece to Goodfellas is My Blue Heaven. Mm. You watch, oh watch, my gosh, watch yeah. My Blue Heaven, and he starts off right and he where he starts left off. off, where he left off. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of a fun totally completely different though. But um. <laughs> uh, speaking of film experiments, I don't know if you guys saw this. I've had this on DVD forever, but HBO has done the Godfather saga, like seven hours. I saw that, all in one cut? All in one cut. It's the, the Godfather 2 cut into the Godfather 1, and I think it's just like with mine. It's the chronological order one. So and they start off so, with De Niro at the beginning. They start off with De Niro, yeah, with Vito Corleone. I don't know that I like that. I love it. Be- I think it's great. Because I think part of the fun of watching part two is that back and forth. But And see, here's my thing, mm-hmm. is I like the Godfather, but the Godfather 2 was always my favorite of mm-hmm. the three. Me too. Uh, and I like it because the rise of Vito Corleone mm-hmm. His his rise to power was out of necessity, whereas Michael, who resisted at first, mm-hmm. then became a tyrant. He was born and into Vito it. Corleone was never a tyrant. No, he was always very fair. respectful and fair and responsible with the power that he had. And he always thought that Michael was going to be the same. You know, he was going to be that person. And then you know he wasn't. He became a villain. Michael Corleone. It's that you know you die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yep. And fucking Michael Corleone oh, yeah. became the fucking villain. Sells in that. all family business. And so that's why it's more fun for me to see that story and to see like you know Vito go back to his village in Italy and take out uh, the 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 guy there yep. to to take out the guy. Oh my my favorite sequence in all of Godfather films is the bit where De Niro is following. Uh, while they're doing the feast <gasps> on, on of the San rooftop? Gennaro, yeah. and he's on the rooftop, and the that's dun, so dun, tense, dun, 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 and you know, dun, 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 you know what's coming, you know what's going to happen. It's scored perfectly. It's shot wonderfully, and then that final bit where he finally Boss. sees him and shoots him, mm. and like the gun, the 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 napkin or the towel fall, catches fire, and it's so good. Yeah, and then it just ends. He makes his way to his family. He's holding Michael, mm-hmm. and they're enjoying the fucking parade. And there's this relief that washes over you. For him and for yourself, because you're like, they're making He's a better life for themselves. He's out of danger. His family's out of danger. Mm-hmm. They're going to do good now. They're going to make a life. Uh, and then it's just from there. Like, the struggle of Michael keeping power was always a little less interesting. For Never me. saw the third one. You're not missing anything. And that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, you're not missing anything there. Well, one more thing before we uh, go into what it did right and what it did wrong. Sure. Um, Tarantino isn't really known for, for repeating himself, I think, as far as dialogue goes. Oh, I mean, my God, but he repeats the fuck out of himself. Maybe thematically, yeah. And um, Dialogue. Samuel Sam Jackson, Jackson at one point even says, has some repugnant yes, shit. That's exactly. And I'm like, that is a direct callback to one of the, I don't want to say it's a famous line, but nobody was saying repugnant shit before Pulp Fiction came no. out in 96. And then no. all of a sudden. And so... That's one of those. I'm sure he Sam said it as a joke, but that should have been left on the cutting room floor because that pulled been. me out. It for pulls, that yeah, exactly. Because it was very self-referential in a movie that shouldn't have been. I couldn't agree more yeah, with that. Uh, all right, so well, you called it. What did Jackie Brown do right? 
I still think um, I, I like his dialogue, but what I'm going to call out is uh, the, he's a great filmmaker visually. Uh-huh. Like it's 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 hard to find a combination of somebody who knows dialogue, somebody who knows story. You, you know, usually you get like a Kevin Smith uh-huh. who can do one well but not the other. Yeah. Or you get um, you know, Zack Snyder who can do great visuals, maybe a little, doesn't know how to d- yeah, act, doesn't, uh, direct actors. Doesn't know how to plot out a story. Yeah, there you go. So here's a guy who can do both. And I love just something as simple as two people riding around in a car. But he does so many cutaways of, you know, Robert De Niro takes the car from park out of drive. He gets a close-up of his hand on the, on the see, lever. I thought you some of that was unnecessary. You see her clicking the... Uh, unnecessary or not, it's still... Like when Bridget Fonda goes in the kitchen and she pours coffee and like we see the see shot the close of the coffee. Up and I'm like, the, we don't need all that. That's that's kind of... I don't know. I felt like it was a little schlock. Like, I see what you're saying. Sure. I do appreciate his visual style, but I do feel like there were too many cutaways to things that didn't fucking matter. I'll give you that. Well, That's fair, you. but I still appreciate the effort, and and I'm more just kind of pointing out that it's it's uh, rare to find somebody who is a great filmmaker visually and also from a story standpoint and yeah. dialogue. What I thought Jackie Brown did right, uh, I am the child of a father that really loved old black exploitation film, really? and also loved Motown. Like uh. so, Sundays I was either watching like westerns with my dad mm-hmm. or like action movies, but most of the time we were watching like shitty black exploitation <laughs> films. Like you know, we were, we were watching stuff like Foxy Brown, or we were watching yeah. you know across One Hundred and Tenth Street. Uh, we we were watching cheesy movies like Shaft. We talked about this when we talked about Shaft. I was watching movies like that, Shaft in Africa, yeah. Shaft Returns. Uh, you know, so I grew up with an appreciation for these movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, when the movie came out, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's called I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got like all these old black exploitation film stars in it. Uh, and, and they even have Huggy Bear. Richard Roundtree in Richard that? Roundtree's in it, yeah. yeah. They got Huggy Bear in there mm-hmm. from uh, Starsky and Hutch. That's right. And he comes out at one point, he's got shoes with fucking goldfish in them. <laughs> That's right. And it's fucking amazing. And, and you, if you know what it's coming from, too, it, it's even better. It's it's probably the Wayans Brothers' like strongest movie ever. Yeah? I, I love that movie a lot. Uh, from there, it just kind of goes. It kind of goes down fucking hill. So that's what it did, right? Is that it's it's a good representation of it's, a black exploitation. It's a great representation. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, growing up, I feel like I kind of maybe had a similar upbringing to Tarantino as far as like entertainment goes, mm. because I love the way he kind of recaptured that feel of classic black exploitation films, mm-hmm. and you know, some of those bad like fades and stuff. Those are kind of in those movies. Absolutely. The thing is, though, my feeling is just because they're in those movies yeah. doesn't mean that it's appropriate to put them in now yeah. in, in a movie set in 1995. I think he know, I think he's gotten away from that. Yeah. With even though he's making stylistic movies, you know, he's doing these spaghetti western, but he's not using the techniques yeah. from the 1970s. Right. He's using te- contemporary storytelling sure. tools. Uh, I love the use of his music. To the, put along with the, this movie. Almost wanted to change my answer. Starting off with, you know, across 110th Street. Which they end the then, film with. Which they end the, they, they bookend it. And then you've got the Delphonics. Yeah. And, you know, it's a running theme. It, it, which is, again, a song that kind of tells the story of what's going on. And in a way, it tells the story better than our actors are mm. about the relationships that are being established. And that's unfortunate. But I do think that that's what this movie did right. That, I agree. You know, he, he knew what he was trying to duplicate. And I thought he did a good job duplicating the style. I just feel like the finished product did not, uh, it, it didn't benefit it from It feels that. a little soulless. Yeah. And again, like you said, who's the pro- protagonist here? Who am I following exactly. along in this It kind of falls into the Phantom Menace territory where it's like, who yeah. is the anti- who's the protagonist yeah. of this movie? What did Jackie Brown do wrong? Uh, I mentioned it up top. 
that uh, up top. <laughs> Slap my I, hand. I had right my there. hand up. I had my hand up, and he high fived himself, Jeff. I thought you were going to bring it down at the last no. second. No, think it'd be like Lucy pulling out the football. Your, it's your for birthday. Me. I was. I wasn't going to be thwarted. Wow. On, on this, my 29th birthday. Well, that's what Joel did wrong. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it didn't feel like, like, w- what story are you trying to tell beyond the story? What's the theme of this film? And uh, because he didn't write the story, he's not. You know, to him, this is just an adaptation that he wants to tell in his style with his dialogue. Yeah. And that's fine, but after we'd had such stellar breakouts with uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, I expected something better. I wanted him to progress, and we got a regression in yeah. Jackie Brown. That's true. Uh, I thought that this movie, what it did wrong was it tried to focus too much on shocking the audience mm-hmm. without trying to figure out why. Making and, it believable. And making it, exactly, making it believable, fleshing it out, making it an organic shock rather than just like, you know, it's happening just because. Uh, you, you do not benefit from arbitrary shock value in a movie. Yep. I think your audiences are always going to be a little too smart for something like that. All right, so if we were going to remake Jackie Brown now, yeah. uh, 11 years later, or no, 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 nine years later, yeah. my bad, math, uh, <laughs> if we were going to remake Jackie... No, ja- no, this came out in 97? It came out in 97? Oh, no, no, that's right. We're so coming on 20 not, years. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like you I skipped said, the aughts. Math. Uh, <laughs> all right, so if we were going to remake Jackie Brown now... Yeah. What would we do? I recast six people, um, probably the main ones. I, I stopped 11. short of Chris Tucker. Oh, yeah? I recast 11 people. Well, let me blow through mine then first, huh? Blow. <laughs> so I start with the Michael Keaton character, who is the main... Um, Ray Nicolette. Cop, that's right. Reprising his role from Out of Sight. Uh, I like Brian Cranston in that role. they did role. a sequel of that, would it be called Out of Mind? Out of... <laughs> <laughs> See no evil. Brian Cranston's good, How man. about Brian Cranston in I lo- You role? know me. I love Brian. I love B.C. Because he's, he's kind of <laughs> funny in that role. He's outgoing. Um, Robert De Niro. Actually, let me go to uh, Bridget Fonda next. Like the Mel character. Because he wanted somebody who's kind of a, a surfer girl, kind of ditzy, um, and, but could be annoying, but still uh, adorable. I like uh, Kristen Bell. Kristen in Bell. that role every time. Did you see the, the <laughs> video? <laughs> Kristen Bell. Of, uh, Kristen Bell. <laughs> the, uh, um, Kristen Bell. What's her husband's name? Dax Shepard. Kristen Bell. They uh, took a trip to Africa. Kristen Bell. And then made their own little music video of Kristen them Bell. singing uh, Toto's... Uh, Reigns in Africa no. with actual footage of oh, them Why are in they Africa. so awesome? They are the, like the best couple like, that we should all strive for. You want to hate Dak Shepard too. You really want to hate him. I absolutely want to, but, but you can't. Like, you can't. He's so fun. I loved him before they got together, and it's oh. like, well, it, because... Go away, Peyton. <laughs> from Idiocracy. <laughs> yes, he's great at that. Uh, so best of luck to them. But Christian Bell in the Bridget Fonda role. Uh, Robert De Niro. How about... Uh, Lewis. I think you might appreciate this. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, dude, from, uh, yes, <laughs> from Premium Rush, from Premium Rush, <laughs> and, and uh, The Wire. Wasn't he in The Wire? Was he in The Wire? Is he? Is that what I'm thinking of? Uh, I'm I known from uh, No Shelter. Is that the name for? Or Take Shelter? <laughs> Take is Shelter. A, is a small independent film that he was really good at. Uh, yeah, Michael like, Shannon, like Cinema Verite. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of, uh, he can be imposing, yeah. but still kind of play a dumb character uh-huh. as he did. Uh, Sam Jackson. We'll go right to that or character. Dale. Uh, Flaxen Jackson Waxen. How about uh, Jamie Foxx in that <laughs> so role? So racist. Why? <laughs> I'm doing the Key and Peele skit. I know, I know. Did, oh, did you see the trailer for the Key and Peele movie? I did. Keanu. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. So I'm standing around work and we're watching it, uh, a couple of other coworkers, and <laughs> all three of us afterwards were like, is this a skit? <laughs> no, like, it's is for this real. a real movie? This or? movie's happening. Yeah, I know. I'm kind I'm of excited. So, about I'm it. sorry. I didn't mean to throw you off there. No, it's okay. Although I'm, I'm worried that they may be do- overdoing the. Uh, 
oh, black guy acting white but has to act like a black guy. I think guy that's, I think that's kind people. of part of their bit, though. They've done that forever. They do, but they don't. Yeah, but to build an entire film about it, they don't that's need to. That's not what the entire film's built around, though. Uh, according, There's a lot of that in the trailer. Uh, yeah, there's a is. lot of them trying to act tough in, front, in bars. Um, but got, anyway. They got to make it accessible for the white folk. Do they, though? No. Yeah, they I think they do. Uh, all right, maybe, whatever. Uh, the Robert Forster character, uh, Max, Max Cherry. Cherry. Cherry Bonds. Every time. How about uh, how about Dennis Quaid? You want to? Tarantino's good about bringing <laughs> back <laughs> washed up actors. GI Joes. You don't ask to be a part of GI Joe. You <laughs> get asked. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. But you could see him. Maybe he's a little bit humbled now, right? And uh, come back and do a humbled. Tarantino role. Is he a dick? Is that what you're saying? Like he's kind of a dick? I'm and just saying. I don't know that the phone's ringing from the agent. <laughs> He had a desperate uh, attempt for uh, a viral video a few months back. Do you remember yeah, seeing that? Where he acted like he was going off on somebody. Yeah, exactly. And then it was, oh, just kidding. Jimmy Kimmel put me up to it. Yeah. It's like, all right. that's that's. It felt a little sad. Yeah, if you ever want to see a fucking uh, video that's going to make you feel uncomfortable of an of a actor losing it, well, I know Christian some people. Bale. So Christian Bale. <laughs> some people will point to Christian Bale. Some people will point to Lily Tomlinson yeah. for I Heart Huckabee. Yeah. I always go Ed Harris from The Rock. There's oh. uh, there's outtake footage of Ed Harris from The Rock. I have not seen this one. Fucking melting down, and it make like who's he first, yelling at? It, everybody, <laughs> everybody. At first, he's just like y- you know, you, you see him kind of just getting a little pissed at himself that he can't get his line. Then he just goes fucking psychotic. Really? Oh yeah. At Michael, I, I, I imagine Michael, being on a Michael, Michael Bay, Bay set where all tensions are rising. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Pam Greer, the Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. I talk out the side of my mouth. She does a lot, doesn't she? Smoking a lot. How about uh, the helps Viola Davis in that role? (laughs) She is fantastic. Uh, I love her. And who else could be Jackie Brown besides her? Uh oh. Joe has a annoying (laughs) twinkle in his eye. (laughs) Oh, why? Why can't she be Jackie Brown? Uh, uh, Okay. Across a hundred actually, Street. apparently in the uh, Elmore Leonard book, Jackie that Brown. Sweet. That wasn't even her character's Ooh. name, right? It was like Jackie Burke, Rum Punch, and uh, she wasn't a she was an African American. She was white in that film. Yeah, she's, in that she's, book. She was a white African. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so she's South African American. <laughs> all right, so that's my but, recast. But your blick. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna go with starting with the country girl Sharonda. Sharonda. <laughs> Played by Taraji B. Henson. Who is she from? She's from uh, Empire. Okay. And she was also in No Good Deed. <laughs> Bitch, do that again. <laughs> Just don't do that again. Have you ever seen No Good Deed? No, but I heard y'all's You've podcast. You gotta on see it. this movie. No, I don't think I we're gonna do this on the editing bay. All we're right. gonna do No Good Deed. Fair enough. We're bringing it back. Uh, the character Winston, played by Tiny Lister. Yeah. Terry Crews, man. Of course. We did that same thing before. Terry Crews. Ray Nicolette. Here we the, go. The Michael the Keaton. Michael Keaton character, played by Chris Pratt. Ooh, yeah. I know. Oh, fun, fun. The Mark Dargis character, the other oh, uh, FBI agent, mm-hmm. played by Aaron Eckhart. Okay, yeah. Uh, He's too uh, pretty. <laughs> but this other guy was a little pretty. We could unpretty Aaron Eckhart. He had a Aaron mustache. Eckhart. Yeah, you put that nut tickler mustache on him, You maybe? ever see him play Frankenstein? <laughs> that that like weird, oh, like, Matrixy Frankenstein movie he, he did? I he was in that, no. Uh, all right, so Simone, mm-hmm. the uh, the other chick that, yep. that Sam Jackson has. Because, again, the song Across 110th Street about a pimp trying to get it over on a bunch of tricks... That's what Sam Jackson is in this movie. Yep. He's got it over on all these women. Uh, so I went with another cast member of The Help. I went with Octavia Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Simone. That's T- why I left. Tiny head. Like, From The Help. Yeah. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I totally looked up IMDB and then put The Help in. <laughs> I was like, who are all the ladies that are in that movie? <laughs> uh, the character of Beaumont, the Chris Tucker character. Oh, yeah. I'll give you one guess. 
Beaumont Limousine. So that was Chris Tucker. Oh, Kevin Hart. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Going with the character of Max Cherry, mm-hmm. played by Luke Wilson. Ooh, go a little younger. Uh, just a little bit. I mean, how old is Luke Wilson now? Well, but Robert He's Forster was like fucking 60 Robert something. Forster was like 50, 60. Luke Wilson's probably in his 50s 40s, now. 40s, maybe. Maybe late 40s, early yeah. 50s. Uh-huh. All right. He's right. got to be a little bit older. He's got that look. He's got that squinty yes. look to his eyes. Yeah. The Mel character, mm-hmm. Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> the Bridget Fonda character. You did character. Uh, Google the help, didn't Emma you? Stone. Well, that I, I did before <laughs> I Googled the help. Uh, and I'm going to save... I think I'm gonna no. I'm gonna I'll do the De Niro character now, Lewis. Okay. Uh, and it was like one scene where suddenly I was like, "Huh, he kind of resembles him if he grew his mustache back out." Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron. Ooh, playing that Lewis character. Fuck yeah, dude! All right, love so it. That brings me to my final two: Ordell, played by Idris Elba. Yeah. And then Jackie mean Brown. Jackie Brown. Let's hear was it. Tough because I figured, all right, gotta find out, like, because. Pam Greer was like the iconic black actress for her time. Uh oh, uh oh. Who's the iconic black actress for our generation? Beyonce. No, mm-hmm. iconic black actress <laughs> uh, of our generation. Alfre Woodard. Halle Berry. Halle Berry is yeah. Jackie Brown. Halle Berry, and you know because she's got like some good movies under her belt, mm-hmm. but she's got some shit under her belt too. Uh, I do believe uh, Catwoman may be making an appearance. And that's what I was gonna say. That Catwoman, like we could even ha- <laughs> call her like Kitty Cat in oh. this movie. And kind of like a throwback to because you know she was Foxy Brown, Pam Grew was Foxy Brown. Now yeah. we got Jackie Brown, so yeah, we kind of throw back to like Kitty Cat, Holly <laughs> Berry playing Jackie Brown. This whole thing, who directs yours? Uh, Steven Soderbergh, of course. Steven Soderbergh, of course. I, I knew when you started bringing him up, I was like, oh, we're gonna have the same director. Yeah, of course, so funny. Directed yeah. Michael Keaton and Out of Sight, uh, and 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 Out of Mind. Good with uh, <laughs> the sequel. That's right. And good with Elmore Leonard. Good material. with Elmore Leonard. Material. So there we go, guys. If you've got any thoughts about what you would do with Jackie Brown. From behind. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> that one scene where he's like, What's going on? You, she's like, Your yeah, butt man. got bigger? He's like, That, that ain't, a bad, ain't a bad thing. I'm like, Jesus. Wow. You really got going some for jungle you fever. Know Daddy I, wants some chocolate. Did you buy the love story between the two? No, I didn't. That last because shot. Because they never developed it. Of course not. In that last shot where they finally kiss, they kiss like, in its Ugh. profile, his head looks so tiny next to, uh, next next to, to Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. She's got that big hair bouffant, and he just looks. He's like, I bet you had an afro he looks back like my in dad. your 20s. Yeah. yeah, he does. He looks like everybody's dad. Mm-hmm. That's Robert Forster. If you got any thoughts about Jackie Brown, you can always tell us about it on our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook in the search bar, put in the editing bay, find that picture of the woman with the bleeding eyes. That's us. That's where you can talk back to us. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, if there's anything that we missed about Jackie Brown, let us know there. Uh, that includes you, Garrett. <laughs> Sometimes he'll yeah. like just text me and be like, man, you forgot this. I'm like, put it, put on it the in the I know Facebook fucking Kevin page. does that too, Kevin. Stop texting me your recast. Put <laughs> yes. it in there. Put it on there. It's that called helps. social networking. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. And uh, we've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It is www.editingbay.com. Editing Bay, very important that you get that in there, dot com, uh, where you can find uh, links to our social uh, networks. You said Facebook. We also have a link to our Twitter page on there, or Twitter page, or Twitter handle, uh-huh. which is at The Editing Bay. Please follow us there. We've been getting a lot of followers there. Yeah, we've we taken have. off Twitter. It's good stuff. Um, and, and I see we've been getting a new couple of new Facebook likes, so good on us. We also have uh, swag there. You can buy a T-shirt. We're going to have some more swag here in 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, what else? Well, i tell you what we don't have there, Joe, are uh, past episodes. There our is past a- episodes. Oh, 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 that's right, because <laughs> I've uh, I, I've did a little bit of a caper on Joel this week that I me. was going to unveil, but he ended up fucking finding out about it I, way too early. I ruined your surprise. You, I'm sorry. you did. You ruined my surprise because I was about to say like I was like I was going to end this episode by saying, Joel, log on to the log on to the Facebook page. I need you to put a post up. Oh, you son of a and bitch! Then, and then I was going to wait and be like, okay, I'm holding the hostage. This is my caper. 
put the fucking past episodes on the website. I do need to do or that. Or I won't give well, you he, access to the Facebook Here's the problem. Page. I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to make that page link to our RSS feed where they actually all the all the because all, where they are on yeah, nextwaveradio.com because it, there's no way I can keep up with uploading them nextwave-radio.com there you go <laughs> uh, so we'll have a link to there it should be working by the time you hear this episode please uh, but we also have photos that you can, if you want to see I, what we look like I'll give you access to the Facebook page we'll, we'll do it oh thanks you're holding me hostage it was, uh, that was the plan uh, I, I was it. like fuck because I completely forgot to update on Tuesday and Joel's like hey dude I tried to update on Tuesday because I like to help you out because I know you're busy and uh, I don't have any access what's the story I'm like, oh fuck! Oh, I'll Jesus. be honest, I got a little, I got a little butt hurt there for a second. And I was like, oh man, maybe. I've, what did I do? My my uh, privileges have been revoked. But uh, now that I see there's good reason to it, I will quickly remedy that uh, for our listeners. So there you go, editingbay.com and at the editing bay, our Twitter handle. If you get us on your Apple device, go ahead and go to your podcasting app. That would be wonderful. Put in Next Wave Radio in the search bar. That's gonna bring up all of our shows. Go ahead and tap on the editing bay. Give us a tap, mm. and uh, and then go ahead and give us a five star review and rating. That would be awesome. That helps us out, uh, you know. And uh, and tell people what you like about the show. Share it with your friends, and then when they listen to it, encourage them to go and give us a rating and a review as well. When you're done doing that for us, go to our other Next Wave Radio shows. We've got uh, MVP, the most valuable podcast with Matthew and Danny talking about sports and sports entertainment. Uh, go ahead and listen to them if you like wrestling and football. We're coming down to the Super Bowl. And I know they're going to be talking about that stuff. Uh, we've also got My Comic Life with Jeff and Sam. This week they're going to be talking about... Uh, CW maybe ordering an Archie pilot. Like Archie and Jughead? Like, yeah, based off the comic. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So, Jeff, guys, Jeff got tickets to Deadpool and didn't ask Joel and I if we wanted to go <laughs> with him and Sam. That hurts my feelings. I wanted to go with you. What did I get you for Christmas? I got you that Deadpool Lego thing. That was my birthday. That was it was that was Christmas. You know, Jeff, I, for the record, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I care. I care, Jeff. I want to hang out with you guys. But All right. So go ahead and give them love. If you don't get us <laughs> if you don't get us on your I just but we want to sit with you. Uh, if you don't get us uh, shut up, I'm trying to finish the show. <laughs> Uh, stop being a Joel. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, one more thing, by the way. <laughs> uh, all right, so if you don't have an Apple device, if you've got like an Android, you can also use the Podcast Addict and Podcast Republic apps to uh, look through the iTunes library mm -hmm. and find our shows there. We appreciate it very, very much. All right, so next week, mm. um, I've talked about for us. I've talked about this movie a few times, oh. and uh, and it's fun that we just did a black exploitation film, and we did a Tim Allen movie before that. Uh, and so we're going to be doing a movie uh, that's it, it, it has Tim Allen in it and a uh, uh, what's his name Chuetel Ejiofor that's as right. our main as our main character. Oh. so that's the black tie-in, I guess. Yeah. Have you ever thought that you would hear of a kung fu movie hmm. directed by David Mamet, written and directed wait, by David Mamet? No. Yeah. Wait, wait did he do? One? David Mamet wrote and directed a martial arts film. That is totally not his style. It's called Red Belt. What? And we're going to be talking about it next week. I've never heard of this film. Right here on The Editing Bay. Is it good? Have you seen it? It's actually pretty fucking great. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Red Belt. Uh, Red Belt. You can check it out. I don't think it's on any uh, streaming sites. Oh, great. But I've got it on Blu-ray. Hey! So, so maybe I'll bring that with me tonight to your festive... No, that's right. I'm not going by the house. Whatever. Uh -huh. You know what? Theater <laughs> theater of the mind. I'll grab it on my way over to your place, and you can rip it. Uh, rip it legal, legally, dun, 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 of course. Oh. That's the way we're doing it. Uh, all right, guys. Next week, talking about Red Belt, written and directed by David Mamet. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Happy birthday. I appreciate the gifts. And we'll, get, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Around, Robin.
You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.